You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello and welcome to Root Lock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I'll explain my radio silence and why you haven't heard an episode of Rootlock Radio in quite a while. And I'll also recommend another podcast that I think can help you in your journey of learning tarot. Then we'll get into the fundamentals of doing a tarot reading. And I'll introduce the idea of a therapeutic frame, or how you create the conditions of a ritual that will give consistency to the reading, help your client to relax, and help give you confidence. We'll go through a list of things to consider before doing tarot readings for other people. And then in the following episode, we'll look at how to do a reading itself. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. Radio listeners, uh, it's nice to be back on the microphone. I apologize for such a long absence. Uh, I have a really good excuse. I've been studying to be a therapist. I'm in graduate school, and so that's been really sucking up my time. And I found during the semester that I just didn't have the time to put together an episode of Rootlock Radio. But I've missed it. And I know some of you have too, so thank you for your patience, and I'm happy to be back. So that said, moving forward, episodes are going to be less frequent and more sporadic. I personally am okay with this because I've accomplished what I set out to do with Rootlock Radio, which was to create a comprehensive course in reading tarot in the form of a podcast and the preceding episodes do just that. And the episode I'm putting out today and the episode I hope to put out before spring semester begins should complete what I had in mind to offer on Rootlock Radio. But that doesn't mean that I'm done with Rootlock Radio. Uh, As I said, episodes will be less frequent, more sporadic, uh, but I plan to continue to create episodes with the intention of teaching tarot. Uh, And so future episodes will delve into special topics in tarot and listener questions and demonstrations, maybe some interviews and things like that. So keep an eye out for that. That being said, if you have any listener questions, I have created a phone number that you can call or text. That number is listed in the show notes and on the Rootlock Tarot website. So I would love to get voicemails, most of all, uh, because I would like to answer listener questions on the on the podcast uh, as a way of both using tarot to help you along your way and as a tool for demonstrating how I use tarot to answer questions and a few different ways that you can use tarot to approach answering life's questions. So I'm excited about that and I hope you are too. 
And if you have any questions for me, please shoot them my way. Uh, just know it might take me a little while to get to them. Because uh, I'm really busy, but busy in a good way. Now, seeing as how Rootlock Radio is not going to be as frequent, I think you might be looking for other places to assist you in learning tarot. And there's a podcast I want to recommend that I think will really be a great follow-up to Rootlock Radio in that it will help you to really deepen your tarot practice and tarot understanding. This podcast is called Tarot for the Wild Soul. Uh, it's hosted by a Brooklyn-based tarot person named Lindsay Mack, and the episodes vary. Some of them are called monthly medicine episodes, and they use tarot as a tool to talk about what to expect in the month ahead, which is pretty cool. There's interviews, but what really makes me want to recommend this podcast will be the lessons episodes. So I think about once a month, the episode of Tarot for the Wild Soul is a lesson. And a really great place to look to get an idea of what these lessons are like is the episode from November 13th, 2017. It's called Life, Death, Life, The Three Lines of the Major Arcana. And what I like about this is Lindsay offers her specific reading of the three lines of the major arcana. It's very similar to the way that I broke down the major arcana into three narratives, but she has a different take on it. And I just think that the more perspectives you can get on things like these, the better. So if you feel like you are looking for other ways to continue learning about tarot in the form of a podcast, I think this is one of the best ones. Again, it's called Tarot for the Wild Soul and I will be putting a link in the show notes. In today's episode, I want to start talking about the actual practice of doing a tarot reading. So in all the preceding episodes, we've learned really the meanings of the cards and how to develop your own relationship with your deck of tarot cards, how to develop your intuition around tarot, as well as a kind of encyclopedic knowledge of where the meaning of the cards comes from. And that's all well and good and incredibly important. But when we think of tarot, we often think of the act of a tarot reading. And being a therapist in training, something that really stuck out to me in my first semester of grad school is the idea of creating a therapeutic frame for your client. So when you're a therapist and your client comes in, you create a set of conditions that are kind of consistent and predictable and controlled by you, the therapist, that makes your client feel safe and feel like they understand what's going to happen in that session. And I think the same idea applies really perfectly to doing a tarot reading, right? So you want to create this therapeutic frame, these consistent conditions 
that make a tarot reading kind of a ritual. And this accomplishes a few different things. It makes your client relaxed, and it makes your client believe in what's happening. And it also gives you confidence, right? Because the best way to feel confident about something is to control as many variables as you can. So if you're doing a tarot reading in a setting that's familiar to you, and you have a routine that's familiar to you, and a ritual that makes sense to you, and you know what to expect, then you're going to feel better about doing the tarot reading. And another thing is that if you or your client or both of you believe in the mystical power of tarot, you don't have to believe this in order to use tarot, but you can, and a lot of people do. If you do believe in that mysticism, the ritual of, of a tarot reading invokes the mysticism and makes both you and the client feel tapped into whatever it is, whatever energy that is, that makes tarot into a mystical tool. So considering this, there's a few things you want to think about when you're going to set up a tarot session. And you're going to think about what your therapeutic frame consists of and what your ritual is going to look like. And there are a few different things you want to think of, and we're going to cover those in those, this episode. And I'm just going to offer you some ideas about how I like to do a tarot reading, but I'm also going to suggest some ways that you can do it. And overall, you want to find what works for you. Because again, this is a way for you to build confidence in your tarot style and for you to enter a tarot session feeling like it's something that's familiar and second nature to you. So a few things you want to think about are what kind of environment are you comfortable reading in? How are you going to begin the session? How are you going to shuffle and draw the cards? And to what extent are you going to involve the client? How are you going to handle payment and policies? And how are you going to anticipate problems such as not filling the time that the client has paid for? So in this episode, we're going to talk about these ideas. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about how to actually do the reading part. So this, is, this episode's more about the conditions in which you do the reading, and the following episode will be about the reading itself. So the first question is, how do you start your tarot ritual? And what kind of environment are you reading tarot in? I like to have people over to my house or be comfortable going to someone else's house as well. If they come to my house, I maybe want to light some candles, put on some, you know, instrumental music, uh, make the lighting nice, maybe light some incense or sage or Palo Santo. Not dissimilar from if you were having someone over for a date. You know, just create a very relaxed atmosphere. Because relaxation is really important. You want your client to feel comfortable, and you can do that by making a comfortable environment. Now, if you're going to their house, it's probably less likely that you're going to be able to control the environment, right? But you can bring some things with you. You could bring your sage or palo santo or incense or candles or some sort of cloth that you can put on the table. Something to kind of like bring your presence into the room more than just you and your cards. So you're sort of creating the environment a little bit given the conditions that you're working under. Now, sometimes I've done tarot readings in more public places like coffee shops. 
And there, my main concern is that I don't want to get too much attention from other people, right? Because we want this to be sort of a, a thing between me and the client. And so the idea is to draw as little attention as possible because you don't want people coming over and asking you what you're doing or asking if they can get a reading. You don't want disruptions. And that might still happen, but there's a few things you can do to control the environment as much as you can. One is to try to get a table in the most private part of the cafe. So, you know, a corner, somewhere away from other tables, maybe somewhere where you have your backs to other people so they can't really see the table as well, stuff like that. I also think in these situations, bringing a bunch of stuff, crystals, cloths, things like that, actually do you a disservice because then they draw more attention. So if I'm reading in a public place, I'm probably just more likely to bring just myself and my tarot cards. Because again, the first priority is your client's comfort. And if they feel like other people are paying attention and trying to listen or disrupting the reading, they're going to be less comfortable. So that's kind of environmental considerations. And then you want to think about how you want to start your reading, right? So if you've met the person before, if it's a friend of yours, maybe talk to them for a little while. If it's someone you've never met before, say hello, ask them how they're doing. Just, you know, don't start right away. Be a little conversational for a few minutes just to kind of break the ice. Kind of a classic tool for making people more comfortable is to ask them questions about themselves. So one of the best things you can do is just ask them what they do for work and how they found you and if they've had a tarot reading before and why they want to do it, all that kind of stuff. So usually after doing kind of a greeting thing, I'll find a time in the conversation to sort of introduce what I think about tarot and what my take is and what it can and cannot do. And I do this because a lot of people come into a tarot reading with preconceived ideas right? Some people will think that I'm going to be able to tell them what's going to happen to them in the future. But I don't think tarot works that way, right? So I want to give them a very clear understanding of what my philosophy of tarot is. And to help them to understand exactly what they're in for, so that when we do a reading together, they're not confused, they don't feel like something's missing, and all that stuff. I also like to tell them how best to formulate a question based on my philosophy of the tarot. So my philosophy of the tarot is that it is a great therapeutic tool, that it helps to reframe problems that we have, that it creates a productive conversation, and that oftentimes it brings us information or ideas that we haven't thought of before. And whether you want to think that that's coming from a mystical channel or not is up to you. You don't have to believe that if you don't want to. It's still going to be a productive conversation. So based on this, the best way to formulate a question is to keep it kind of open-ended, right? So I tell people it's best not to create a yes-no question or some question that is otherwise very simplistic, right? We don't want to be asking a very definitive question. We want to think of the question as more of a conversation starter. So some templates of how to formulate a question would be something like, what do I need to know about blank? How can I best navigate blank situation? 
Or how can I maximize the benefit of blank? So basically these are all different ways of asking for more information about a situation or a problem that someone's having. And that will help someone to navigate the best outcome, right? Because that's what everyone's there for, is they want to figure out the best way to proceed, the best things that they can do within their own control to make a situation turn out in a desirable way. And also putting this positive spin on it, asking them to ask a question that is aiming for a positive outcome makes the tarot reading less scary, right? Because some people come to tarot and are actually pretty scared of it. So you want to keep in mind that your client might be a little nervous or even afraid of what's happening, and you want to make them feel like what they're going to get is going to be positive, and they're going to be moving in a better direction based on what they get out of the tarot reading. Now, some people ask, do I have to tell you what my question is? And what I always tell them is that they don't have to do anything. You know, they're in control. And making them feel in control helps them to trust me. I don't say that part, but I say that you're in control. You can decide. You don't have to tell me your question if you don't want to. But I also say this is a confidential thing. I'm not going to go around and tell anyone what we talked about. No one's going to hear about your question or your problem. It's between. It's going to stay between you and me. Again, this is a, a therapeutic tool, right? The counselor-client confidentiality thing is a very important aspect of therapy because it helps people to feel comfortable and like they can trust you and like they can talk to you about anything. So I apply the same thing to a tarot reading. And then I also say, you know, it usually makes for a better reading if you do tell me your question. Because what's happening here is really a conversation between you, the client, and the tarot cards. And I'm the interpreter. And if I don't know what you're asking the cards, it's very difficult for me to interpret the message that the cards are giving you. So I can try, but... I can't guarantee that it's going to be the best reading if you don't tell me what your question is. Now, this doesn't happen all that often. Usually my explanation is enough, but I have had a few people who said, you know, actually, no, I don't want to tell you. And so I proceed. And I find that usually those people are just trying to test me, um, trying to test the mystical ability of the tarot. And... Honestly, if that's how they want to spend their session, they can do that, but they're not going to get nearly as much out of it as if they decide to tell me the question. So honestly, it's in my experience, it's usually not so much a privacy issue as kind of a, a way of expressing their skepticism. And I think that probably a lot of people's skepticism fades when I tell them that I don't necessarily think tarot has to be a mystical tool, that it can be just a productive and therapeutic tool. But if they're still skeptical at that point and they don't want to tell me their question, they don't have to, and they can get a less successful reading. I don't really care. That's their deal. So... Once the client tells you, ideally, their question, what's happening now is sort of the moment of truth, right? Where you're shuffling and drawing the cards. And this moment, this process, carries a lot of weight to it. And it should be treated this way, 
So a lot of times I'll ask a client to kind of take a deep breath and relax, try to clear their mind, and focus on their question. And then I will shuffle the cards. But of course there's no one way to shuffle the cards. In fact, if you Google ways to shuffle cards, you see there are all different kinds. And you might want to do that and see what different kinds of shuffling there are. Because some of them are kind of cool. So you'll want to think, you know, do I do the classic riffle shuffle, the way we think of shuffling cards? Uh, Do I do the overhand thing where I just sort of like move the cards from the back of the deck to the front? Um, Do I spread them all over the table and make a big mess of them and then put them back together? You want to have an idea of how you think you want to shuffle the cards. You also think, does the client shuffle the cards? Do you just hand your deck over to the client and let them shuffle them? I don't do that. I shuffle the cards myself, and then I have the client cut the deck at the very end. So you'll want to have an idea before you do tarot readings of exactly how you are going to approach shuffling the cards. Then you'll want to think about how you're going to draw the cards. So what I do is I, again, have the client cut the deck into two piles, and then I draw the cards consecutively off the top of that pile. But some people also will fan out the cards and have the client select cards at random. So it's really up to you, and it's up to you too how much you want to have the client involved because clients do often feel good having some level of involvement with the shuffling and drawing of cards. Now another consideration is say you're doing a tarot reading over the phone or on some sort of video chat and the client's not actually in the room with you. How do you get the client to feel like they're actually there, like their energy is present in the room with the tarot cards? Well, there are a couple ways to do this. Um, And what I usually do is I do the same thing. I have the client, you know, take a few deep breaths, calm down, clear their mind. And then what I'll do is I'll start shuffling the cards and I'll ask them to tell me when to stop shuffling so that they have some control over when that process is complete. And I'll do the same thing with cutting the deck. I'll move my fingers up and down the pile of cards and have them tell me when to stop, and then I'll cut the deck right there. And that usually helps people to feel like they're more connected to the reading. So when you have the cards cut and drawn, you're going to be drawing them into what's called a tarot spread. And of course, I've mentioned a few of my favorite tarot spreads on the podcast in the past. I'll definitely introduce more in the future. But you're going to want to have an idea of what tarot spreads you like to use before you go into a tarot reading. So my suggestion is to have an arsenal of tarot spreads. Well, arsenal seems like kind of a strong word. Maybe a a quiver of tarot spreads that you use that match different situations or questions. And you also want to think about the length or depth of the reading. So if you're only allowing... 20 minutes for a reading, you don't want to do a five-card reading because it's going to be hard to get to all those cards in that amount of time. So what I like to do, again, is have my quiver of spreads and maybe have a one-card reading possibility, 
maybe have a couple of three-card reading possibilities. So ones I've talked about on the podcast are past, present, future, what to hold on to, what to let go of, and outcome. There's all kinds of spreads you can do. Uh, maybe you have a four-card spread for a slightly bigger or longer reading. Um, you can base them on the elements. So again, we think back to all that we've learned about the four elements and drawing four cards corresponding to those energies, those elemental energies and what they represent. Then maybe you have a five-card spread. My favorite is the rose spread, which is what I'll be using in the next episode to demonstrate a tarot reading. So stay tuned to find out what that is. And then you could do the 10-card spread. The classic one is the, t- the Celtic cross. But really, a 10-card spread requires at least an hour to truly do a good reading with. And it's really challenging for a beginning tarot reader to do such a long one. Now, I think challenges are good. And I think if you are a beginning tarot reader, you should challenge yourself to do 10-card spreads, maybe for friends, family, people you know well. But if I'm doing a reading that's about an hour long, I like to usually do about a five-card spread. I find that that amount of time allows us plenty of time to really explore the spread and the reading and to understand what message it's trying to go to get across. So again, you want to have a number of different sizes of spreads and a number of different types of spreads that you can apply based on the length of the reading, the depth of the reading, and the particular question you get. So for instance, if you're doing a three-card reading, some questions might fit better with past, present, future, while some questions fit better with what to hold on to, what to let go of, and possible outcome. So being able to decide in that moment which spread is more appropriate based on the client's question is very helpful. So you want to have an idea of the size of the spread going into the reading, but you also want to have the flexibility to choose the most appropriate spread for that question. Now, another thing to think about is if you're charging your clients for the readings, how are you going to do payment? And I can't tell you how important it is to really work out the details of this beforehand, to sit down and come up with a pricing structure, how much of a deposit you're going to get from people, how you accept payments, cancellation policies, rescheduling appointments, all that good stuff. And if you want to see how I do that, you can just go to the Rulock Tarot website and look at my tarot services, and all of my policies are outlined at the bottom, and I give you full permission to just copy and paste mine onto your website or wherever you're advertising your tarot services and using my policies because I think they're good. But why this is so important is because you want to avoid any confusion in the moment, right? So you don't want someone to come to you last minute and be like, I have to cancel, and you've you know, taken off work that day and set aside this time and really we're counting on that money and now suddenly you're out of it. So it's a way of just having a policy between you and your customers so you can protect yourself. A couple of pointers that I would give you is I think it's important to take a deposit. It makes people feel more committed to the tarot reading if they pay a deposit or even pay the full thing up front. I think it's good to have a rescheduling policy. So If someone gives you at least 24 hours notice or 48 hours notice or whatever you decide to allow them to reschedule their appointment at no cost, Um, 
and to have a cancellation policy. So do you not refund the deposit? Do you refund the deposit, but not if it's within 48 hours? All this kind of stuff. And even if you're new to this and you think, ah, I don't need to think about this, it's important to. It presents a face of professionalism, and it will also just eliminate a lot of confusion because you don't want to have to be deciding in the moment when the client's sitting there how you're going to handle some unexpected payment issue. Because you're, if you're anything like me, you're probably going to be too generous and you're going to compromise yourself. And I'll also say about this that this is another way for you to have confidence, right? You're anticipating situations, you know how to handle them, so it's eliminating more factors that could trip you up. Now one more question is, what do you do if you don't fill the time, right? So someone's paid you for a full hour, and you do the reading, and you realize you've only gone for 40 minutes. How do you handle that situation? Well, I've got a couple of pointers or ideas. One is that you can draw more cards. There's no reason you can't draw more cards. So one way to go about this is if there's anything in the reading that seems unclear or unanswered, you could offer to draw a clarifying card for that part of the reading or the reading in general. And basically what this is is you shuffle the cards again and you ask the deck to give you a little more clarity about the question you asked or a part of the question or a part of the answer that you've gotten and draw a card and interpret that as that clarification. Or you could also just very upfrontly say to your client, it looks like we've got more time. This is a 60 minute session. We're only at 40 minutes. Why don't we ask another question and draw one or two or three cards to fill that particular amount of time? Basically, as long as you don't feel tripped up or embarrassed by the fact that you didn't fill the time with the original reading and you have strategies to fill the time in other ways with more reading or more cards, then your client will be confident and comfortable as well. So you're setting the tone here. So that's really just a list of different things that you can consider and anticipate and set up to create the environment for your tarot reading and to create the process and ritual and what I like to think of as the therapeutic frame around your tarot reading so that your client is comfortable and you feel confident. And this isn't by any means a comprehensive list, so if you want to keep thinking about other ways that the tarot reading might go, other things that might come up, other problems you might have, and anticipate them and figure out how you would handle them, that's a really great way to go into reading tarot for other people and feeling confident and comfortable and ready to use your tarot skills to help other people. Rootlock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston, 
Music for today's show was provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jeray. You can find information about both of these artists in the show notes. For notes on today's episode, visit the Rootlock Tarot website at rootlocktarot.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio. Rootlock Radio.